goodness wait that, i actually started remember that song i was singing no nope. and i was like oh we're not singing that song what is it no i don't sing what is it i don't sing on just the say mic. the words nope it was out it was outcast what is it the one that you're just singing my baby don't mess around because i love it so when the no show is that how it goes yes that's exactly <laughs> right. you actually know the lyrics <laughs> all right and on that note welcome back to small seed big impact episode <laughs> I was going to say episode with impact. But anyway, impact. Empathy impact. Ooh. Impact. We're just here drinking out of our small seed big impact mugs. Uh, mine's just a small seed mug. Well, small seed big. Oh, wait. Mine says both. <laughs> well, today we are going to do the Q&A. We were gone. We're back. I just spent three days making a thousand blueberry and it's almost sold out, guys. And now we're going to do a podcast. Sorry we missed a week again. But we're, going to get, we're going to get back on being good. We need to. We're not allowed to get say that consistent. until we start doing it. Yeah, no, we're going, to get, we're going to try to get back on being more consistent. I'm saying we're going to. I know, I really, I really want to get to episode 100. Like, we're at, I think this will be 52 or 53. And I really want to get to episode 100. I feel like once we break 100, we'll be a lot better. Okay. And once we get on video, I'm really excited. Yeah. So... I did, before we left to vacation with our family in Massachusetts for the weekend. Okay, this is a drawn out. What are you trying to say? Nothing. I did a Q&A. And we had a couple, <laughs> and we had, we had a couple good uh, questions come in. I was giving the backstory while we're gone and why <laughs> I look so tan and good looking. We're Tuesday at 2.42 p.m. Nothing happened the at 2.42 p.m. Anyway. So, Holly doesn't know any of these questions. I actually just looked at them to write them down, but haven't thought about them. So, this will be a fun Q&A. And we haven't, done a, we haven't done a Q&A in a long time. Slash, we should start doing dig deeps on Small Seed Story again on Instagram. Right. We can do it. Good. Okay. Once a month. Do we want to start with business, Small Seed business, or personal? I don't care. You choose. Close Useless. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. No, no. We already established. <laughs> we know the trick to this. All right. We will start with Tyler's question. You're going to call out who they are? No, just Tyler. <laughs> I might give a shout out to a couple people, but I always like to pick on my man, Tyler. Small seed, smallest Tyler. Small <laughs> seed, the smallest Tyler. <laughs> All right. So his mom uh, recently started ordering our bars and likes the bites better because the bites are half are measured out half a bar at a time. The mom likes our bites better? Yeah, because on the packaging yes, it's half the nutritional mm-hmm. information. So they're like, oh, four bites, quote unquote. And we know this. Some the reason why we made bites is because people would only half a bar put it back, but then yeah. you know it starts to dry out, blah, blah, blah. So I made the bars half, but so she really likes those and likes the, like the blueberry, of course, because everyone likes the blueberry, but I'm sure she'll like the orange because it's the same texture and, and way better. But, and Tyler was like, so how does that get determined? So what, what flavors become bites and what flavors don't become bites? Who makes those decisions? How are those decisions made? Well, we only have four bite flavors. 
And they're just our OG. They were our OG flavors. Yes. There was not really any. But why? There's not really any crazy determination of. Lies. Holly knows nothing. It was because they're our best sellers. They were the ones that moved the most. And we just. And they are our wholesale flavors. So they're the ones that we have the most ingredients of. Correct. But also it was the ones like Bites were our new concept that we launched last fall. And we we didn't do it in all the flavors. We didn't know how they were going to sell. Yeah. But we know these four flavors sell the best year-round all the time, so we did those four flavors. Correct. We actually also wanted to do peanut butter coconut at the time, but it was too hard. We tried to do it, but it was too hard with the coconut flakes. I could do it now, now that I grind it. Yeah, true, true. But no one knows peanut butter coconut's coming back soon, except for you guys on the podcast. A couple weeks, guys. Holly and I made a extract. We did, because we're fancy. Just one, though. So anyway, so... We launched Bites, and it wasn't that great, partially because we were so heavily a shadow band. Also, it was just such a weird time in society last fall. So I don't blame everyone for not knowing we launched them slash ever trying them. But scraps, I mean, Bites are a lot like scraps where a lot of people don't never tried them, but then once they try them, they love them. Like, right. nobody even really knew what scraps were except, like, a handful of people when we first launched scraps. And majority of those people were people who asked, who asked us to make scraps until we ran like a big scrap sale. And then people were like, oh, I can justify whatever, 15, 18, however much it was, like $18 to try this, like whatever it is, and then ended up falling in love with it. And then, you know, everybody knows now scraps sell out all the time. So right. I think and we just need to do something similar bites to get people to try them. Yeah. My original plan was to always have both of year long flavors, never seasonals. Or limited editions. I think we're going to stop calling them seasonals. Yeah, we need to call them limited edition because yeah. we're launching too many in a yeah, season. It's and it's confusing right. for people. So I'll never, I never plan on doing them limited editions. Once they're year-long permanent flavors yes. and we have access to the ingredients primarily most of the year, year-round, uh, I would like all of them to have bites and bars just because I personally like bites. I like the concept of bites and I think they're more convenient. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what we stand for, convenience without compromise. So yes. to answer your question, Tyler, I make all of those decisions and you get nothing. <laughs> and your mom gets... Your mom can have everything she wants. You get nothing. <laughs> but um, never a limited edition. And if if we can get people to really start enjoying them more or have more awareness of Bites... Which, you know, like all we I said, maybe we'll do like a huge campaign, like a week long, it's plug them on social yeah. all the time and run a sale and see if they stick outside of that. That's that. They're just start with there. Yeah. All right. Question two. Next question. On that same question of business, we'll just stay on this trend. My, my man, Glenn. Glenn. Hateful herbivore. Herb. Herbivore. <laughs> oh, jeez. Everyone well, herb used to be a disc. You're an herb. No, I don't. But anyway, one of the reasons I really like Glenn is because he, like myself, in my opinion, is a walking contradiction. He is an aggressive vegan. And not <laughs> aggressive as in, like, activists throw blood on you. Aggressive as in, he doesn't give a fuck what you think and he'll say what he wants. And I just admire a man like that. If I was a woman, that's the kind of man I'd want. Or if I was gay... That's the kind of man I want. One who speaks his so mind, funny. but not enough to get him fired from every job. Yeah. There's a clear line. There's a line. There's a line. <laughs> anyway, 
So on the same note of being able to have um, the ingredients year long, he asked a couple of really good business related questions. Um, dun, 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 dun. Let's see. There was one. That was, oh, yeah. How you address hardships in today's markets and still manage to produce new flavors. Do you want to take you want to take the head on this one? Or you want me to go? You can go. I don't know. Because you don't understand the question. Yeah. So I think, in my opinion, I read this and he's asking like, hey, a lot of other businesses are closed. Our supply chain is being affected. Um, or actually, I'll start with the I'll start with the second question because this is more related to peanut butter coconut. <laughs> <laughs> how has the how has the pandemic affected small businesses and supply disruptions? Oh, yeah. In a big way, which Huge. is why a lot of businesses kind of either either had to like put certain products, even like best-selling products, pull pull them or couldn't produce them. Or that's why like, especially when grocery stores started selling out of a lot of stuff, it wasn't that like people didn't want to get their, their products back on the shelves. It was literally that they could not get the ingredients in. Yeah, they couldn't get the ingredients in fast enough. For them to be able to make the product to produce the product. I think it was, to put I think it was twofold, right? So, like, you know, I, I primarily handle most of our supply chain and ordering. Yeah. A lot of vendors, they have they grow their product. They have their farms, etc., and they grow their product. But then they need workers to harvest their product. And because of all the heavy restrictions, operating on a 10 to 25% capacity of your employees, you only get 10 to 25% of yield basically of all your products so like if you normally get a hundred you're now only getting 10 to 25 of whatever it is mm-hmm. like just i don't i'm trying to think of like coconuts yeah i don't really know how that goes i'm not going to pretend like i know but or coffee coffee is a really like simple easy one you know people have to go they have to pick it has to be roasted mm-hmm. so if the pickers are only getting 25 20 10 to 25 percent and then you send it to a manufacturer and in fact manufacturer is running on the same restrictions you know, they have to operate on a 25% capacity of employees. That's like, if you think about that, that's insane. Like, imagine being able to produce 50,000 units in a day. And now you can only produce, now you can only produce 10,000 to 15,000. Yeah. All right, who gets that? And what was happening, yeah, and I was going to say what was happening was you were fulfilling your bigger accounts first, of right. course. What, so small businesses, I don't know if this question was specific to small businesses, but small businesses small were businesses, kind of getting yeah. like left on the sidelines. Oh, we, got the, we got the end end of the stick deal. What's that called? Shit on a stick? I don't know what it's called. <laughs> I forgot the metaphor. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. The sh- yeah. The short, the short. Short end of the stick? Is that what it's called? I don't called? know what However, yes. So small businesses and like ones who basically like you, they were basically fulfilling orders depending on the volume that you have previously ordered from them so they're big heavy hitters they're you know your coca-cola your dunkin donuts for coffee beans for example your starbucks they were still getting fulfilled they were still getting their orders in and i'm sure even them were getting they were getting less but their orders were still getting fulfilled but then you have you know like java coffee shop in route like i'm just making a place i I don't think that's a real place (laughs) java is a real place but it's in uh it's in the eastern side of North Carolina. Okay, well, Java stop. It is. Mm-hmm. We well, tried then you got your Java Cafe, and they're not getting any beans because maybe before they were only ordering 
you know, a very small quantity to be able to fill just their one their one right. store. So and and that happened to if you guys think of anything anywhere everywhere, that's what happened to them. And you know, we think this world is really big and and it is, but the people who produce shit is really small. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of these a lot of the big and mid level companies, they all use the same manufacturer. And the small people get the small companies like us and even people who are you know, doing maybe, what's that, seven to eight, maybe eight figures. Eight figures is still a really small business, guys. Those people are getting shit. Like, you don't get anything. You get the bottom of the list. Mm -hmm. And if they can squeeze you in, they can squeeze you in. If we didn't make our bars ourselves, and I'm a complete psychopath, so I already had a ton of stuff. (laughs) I had had months and months and months of inventory. Because I kind of predicted more of like a shortage happening. If we didn't do that, we would have had no bars because we would have got kicked right off the manufacturing line. They would have said, "Nah, you're going last on the list." And even then, we had a we were putting like thankfully Shane is really good at ordering things in advance because we were able to put orders in and and wait, you know, six to eight months to get those products in, rather than you know, if that was probably me ordering, I'd probably been like, "We need this next month." Right. And all the things that, like, the base of all, all of our bars, I usually always have in mass quantity, which is really nice. Two-part fold to that is that it was it, it, it was and is really hard to get Im- imported? Imports, yeah. Imported goods from outside the United States. So if your coffee beans weren't coming from a... Which most aren't. No. Yes, correct. Right. Most of them they're are not. grown in South America. Yes, they're yeah. not. I'm just using coffee beans for yeah, example. No, yeah. If they were not grown in Florida or wherever, I don't even know if coffee beans are really grown in America, and you had to get them from South America or from Africa or wherever they're coming from, then you, yeah, you had to not only go through the process of like they're not manufacturing as much, but also it's taking much longer for them to get through customs, and a lot more things are getting pulled and held at customs, even like you know, la- like us, like labels, like anything could be getting held at customs. And right, then like, you're like, like okay, such well, Ichi, it's a Peruvian, it's a Peruvian seed. Yeah. So it comes from Peru. Our our person who makes it, like I said, thankfully we have ton, we had tons. I'm almost going through it, but they ran out. They didn't have they didn't have such Ichi because they couldn't get it from Peru. Yeah, because they literally could not get so, like the seeds. So were everyone being... who they supply such Ichi with all got screwed. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they're like, you got to change your product completely. Or you have to wait. And then, like, and if you're a small company and you don't have product for four months, you're going under. You're not surviving. Yeah, because you need that. Yeah, and that's and that's why a lot of our main flavors stayed. And then flavors we had lined up. Like, we had this really cool flavor that we were going to launch in March of, of 2020. 2020 mm-hmm. And the ingredient for it got pulled. And then six months later, the ingredient, the coconut extract got pulled. Completely gone. Are there's another flavor we did chocolate cherry. I wanted to bring it back for a peanut butter and jelly pulled mm-hmm. completely gone. And they've got they've not only have they not been able to produce them, they have now completely taken them off their list because they are a year and a half behind and they're only focusing on the major players. Like Holly said, whatever they're mass producing the most of is all they're still producing, and that's what they're catching up on. And everything else gets nothing, gets in the back burner, yeah. So, just a good lesson to have as much autonomy as possible. Correct. Anyway, 
And try not to ever be reliant on one company's products. Yes. As we're learning. Yeah. Thankfully, Holly and I are very innovative. Yeah, we're resourceful. Yeah, we adapt fast. And that's because... It's do or die. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say that's because... And I was going to say I credit that, my personality for that, because of the way I grew up. But Holly, too, because she's really stubborn, so... (laughs) Anyway, but I think that bleeds into the next question of... You know, with all of those hardships and with, like, the financial uh, burden, I want to say, how are we still able to pivot and create new flavors? That's kind of like what we just said. Yeah. You know, I feel like we kind of just answered that, but, like, in in another way of saying that is this year, for the first time, we've also been experimenting with more flavors of what is available to us like before we used to kind of like plan further out we'd be like hey these flavors this sounds good it's gonna be for this but because now i feel like we can't plan far out because ingredients are getting pulled we're not being able to get them available to us whatever it may be we're like basically planning things only a couple months in advance and then being like now let's launch it and we buy when we first test it. We then buy all of everything we because right. we've learned our lesson. Yeah, right? coffee, so like, coffee cake was the last I bought it, and then I was like, "Wow, this flavor is amazing!" I called them; they said they had like four thousand units of the extract. So I was like, "Sweet!" Made extra labels. Went to go order it, out of stock, <laughs> and then off the website. Like, they're not <laughs> producing anymore, and I was like, "Huh?" I'm like, "What the heck?" So the like orange creamsicle. We have another flavor lined up next month, and then we have another flavor lined up for the fall. And I, before we produce the labels, I ordered all the extracts. So we will, so like we, and everything else is base, which means. And like the good thing about being a small business is that we can do that. So like we don't need to plan months and months and months in advance. Like we can plan a month, you know. Shane likes us to plan much more in advance. But pressure's on, we could do six weeks. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, but it's usually like two months where like, okay, test this product. All right, tastes good. All right, let's make the labels, get the labels in. What after we test it, we basically buy everything we need for yeah. however many units All we're gonna it. be selling and then And then and then the the flip to that though, to answer his question of like the financial burden and the hardships is for us this past year, we just decided that we're not gonna make any money. Like we, we treated it like yeah. year one. Like we we're not gonna make any money. We're gonna go further into debt and we're gonna keep we're gonna keep doing what we were gonna do no matter what. So essentially of like regardless of sales, we're gonna still produce, we're gonna still pitch flavors, we're gonna still test the market, we're gonna still try to keep progressing small seed and adapt, like and seeing what our market wants and giving them more of it. Mm-hmm. Regardless of a revenue. If we make money. Great. That's wonderful, <laughs> and I'm really happy. And if we don't make any money, we just live very minimal. conservative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, minimal. And and then keep testing the market and pray to God that it just gets better before it gets worse. Correct. Basically. And through all this, though, we have found like new almost like business models that we found that work for our business that we probably would have never done if we were not forced into this type of situation. For example, putting out different flavors more often. Right. 
Yeah, I would never thought that was going to be something that we did. We would have never done that if right. it, if we weren't put in these type of situations where we're like, hey, wholesales died. People get excited about new flavors. You know, they want to see new flavors. We know that this is a type of business model that's extremely popular. Like, there are a lot of like cookie companies and ba- like those type of companies who are constantly putting out new flavors. And the reason why people keep coming back week after week after week is because they're like, wow, this flavor is bomb last week. No, this is a new flavor this week. I want to get this flavor. So I think that we've kind of pivoted in what our business model is through all of this. Yeah, I was also going to say all the people who have previously seen our bars, they're like, oh, I know they have these 10 flavors. I wasn't interested in, in any of them. So, And then we launch a new one. And not only does our new one... The people who do love our bars, they see our new one, they're like, ah, yes, I want to get this. Maybe some of the people who wouldn't have ordered our bar sees a flavor like orange creamsicle, which is really strange for a food product, right? For a bar product. For a bar product. Um, Yeah, because I guess it's like in some foods it's cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And they're they're like, maybe it intrigues them enough to purchase. Yeah. And then they try it. And then they're like, oh, actually, I want to try some of their other ones. Things of that nature. Also, what we did last year very very quickly is i found to, a way to squeeze margins really well what i mean is like i i was able to reduce the cost of what it cost us to make bars yes and that's why we had the price decrease in our bars like if ever everyone knows they went from you know 35 they went from 35 dollars a case to 3 i mean thir, thir, it was basically 3 dollars and 50 cents a bar to three dollars and 33 cents a bars and then we made them in the middle of last year's crazy chaos financial burden for everyone including us we dropped it down to three bars mm-hmm. i mean three dollars a bar because we knew everyone needed it so i just did everything i could to reduce as much of our cost as possible and give it back to everyone so we can all get through this exactly so that was another way we pivoted around it and then his last question was, it wasn't his last one, but increasing economic uncertainty for small businesses. I don't really know how to answer this one. One, because I'm not really sure of the question. But, I mean, I am, but I'm just not sure how, how to answer the question, I suppose. I think there's always uncertainty, and that's what makes a small business rare for people. Is like risk is always super high. Yeah. The risk of everything is always really high, but especially business yeah. and small business. Yeah, starting a business at any time, it's it's like a blessing and a curse to be small when when things like this happen. A blessing because you're able to pivot very easily and you're typically able to like cut your corners and figure it like kind of roll with it. A curse because as we all saw through last year, like it put a lot of small businesses out of business because they were not prepared to take on the financial stress or even the market stress of like things changing. Yeah. But what makes a small business a really what makes a small business a really good business and which will what will eventually make them a big business is that they're elastic and they're able to bend with the market, with people, with financial situations, like and their business can withstand, you know, anything that comes at them. Right. I will argue if you're a real entrepreneur and not just a business person, you will find a way to adapt. Yeah. And and maybe that means foregoing your current business and, and resetting and doing a new business. Exactly. And that's something I'm fully aware of. You know, if 
if literally the collapse, a collapse happened in the next six to three, three, six months to three years and small seed went under, small seed goes under and who the fuck cares? I will go do what everyone else does. I'll find a way to create revenue for our, our life and we will start something again mm-hmm. as soon as we can. And that's just what I just think that's what you always have to do. But whether you're a small business or you're an employee for a big business, when collapses happen, people get laid off, jobs get lost, businesses close. That's just the inevitable. Yeah. I'd rather have as much control as possible and know I went down swinging <laughs> than being a person who just gets a ticket and saying, furlough, see you in six months. Mm-hmm. Oh, the market's still bad. See you in a year. That's just my opinion. See you never. Now you're fired. I can. I. I'm just. I just feel like we money is so easy to make. Like money, money itself. Like I could work twenty hours a week doing labor. I mean, twenty hours a day doing labor and make money. Yeah. I can make money. I'm not worried about that. And if the collapse happened, there was no money anywhere. I'd go steal and rob from people. Oh. It's just that easy. Wow, that's intense. I mean, if that happened, We'd I would go be do in, it. Like a world war. I'd go in that type of. Situation. I'd go. I'd go to Sprouts. Let me in, and take all their shit. I wouldn't rob and steal from people. I'd rob and steal from corporations because they don't deserve it. (laughs) Anyway. Because they didn't get any financial strain during the entire... But I'm I'm just saying, if that's actually what happened, then you do what you you have to do to survive. Well, it's actually funny, not to try to get off topic, but there are literally more jobs now than there have been in the last... That's because no one wants to work. That's what I was going to say. Than there ever has been in like, since the last class, which was in what, 2008? When was that? 2008? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, there are like more jobs that need to be fulfilled now, I know, and what, there are more people on unemployment, which makes no all sense. All that's gonna come to an end soon. I know, but it's literally because people don't want to work, and there are businesses who are having to like close. Like I just heard a story about a restaurant who literally had to close because they could not get any employees to come in and like work. I mean, if you could stay, or home, not close. They ha- they tried to like open up their like interior, their in part, and then they had yeah. to close back to they like didn't have just enough servers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and ha- how do you entice somebody to come work forty hours a week to make eight hundred dollars when you can stay home and make six? Yeah, like, no, you can make you can stay home and make sixteen hundred because you're getting <laughs> paid more money. Yeah, I, yeah. But anyway, I know I, I like see all the, I see this all the time. Like, there are so many companies. That are doing like twenty twenty five dollar hour wages for for ten dollar an hour wage jobs, yeah. and you get sign up bonuses. I'm like, I should just go work for somebody for three months, get the bonus, get we were, a bunch of money. We were just in Massachusetts. <laughs> there was a grocery store starting wage at seventeen dollars an hour to be a cashier. To be yeah, at a, at a grocery store, and then there's also restaurants up there. I mean, granted, this is like a touristy area, but still, there are restaurants up there. Massachusetts has a server's wage, which means you usually get paid like two fifty an hour. Yeah, They're offering bucks. servers twenty seven dollars an hour plus tips. That's nuts, and people aren't coming to work. They don't want to work. If I, like, if I was right in my mind, I would shut down Small City for the summer and go work <laughs> for two months in the Cape, yeah. and then come back and be like, "All right, like that." I'm not crazy. working for the rest of the year. Like, that's really crazy, and people don't want to work, so don't know where I was going with that, but yeah. Anyway, that is just kind of funny. Yeah. Guys, get back to work. Oh, like you were saying, making money isn't isn't hard, and that's right. true. Making money isn't hard. There are always jobs. It's just, what are you willing to do to make yeah. money? Just or not, pull yourself another, out of the gutter. Another way to not side note, but I'm going to, is... <laughs> 
Currently, we are operating on money that is not real. As in, money is always an exchange. Money is literally an avenue that we use. It's it's fictitious. I, quote unquote, trade 10 hours of my labor Mm -hmm. or product for this piece of paper that says... I that basically says I work 10 hours mm-hmm. and then I take that and then I trade it to somebody else who has a product and says, Oh, I'm going to cash yeah. in your 10 hours of pay. And then it goes into this kind of circle, exactly. you know, and that's how the economy feed. That's how we feed the economy, you know, and then the government takes 50% of all of that. <laughs> what the fuck they do with it? I have no idea, but they take it anyway. It's not Kurt. Yeah. Currently, we're, we are only making the money and not and not being able to no we are putting it back in the economy what I'm trying to say the economy is not is giving more, us back the money is what I'm saying yeah there's so, more money so there's an abundance to people right than we actually have right we are we as people are not creating the value of that money to trade it we are just being given that money to trade. So now we're giving now we're giving monopoly money and what is that that eventually has to spin and your milk that you pay $6 for is about to be $15 because it has to go up Balance to then equal yeah. out. It's so, called inflation. <laughs> yes, it's called inflation. But I'm, when you say inflation, it. people don't really understand. Yeah. Like I when I used to have all my employees, I'm I'm talking about literally 30 of them. At the very least, 30. When I would explain this concept, because we lived in California when minimum wage was going up. And when I explained the process of minimum wage driving inflation, none of them understood. But when I couldn't explain it like in the way that I did, but in more depth, more yeah. detail with more time, they understood it. So if you just say inflation, people are like, eh, there's always inflation, which is true. But there's always inflation because we print fake money, guys, because they do this tax hike. Which causes products to go up in price, but a tax—it's all Weren't just, you just fake saying money. That there's like, what's the increase in consumer goods? Five percent. Last last month, consumer Alone. goods went up five percent in cost, and that, it, <sighs> which means that it costs businesses more to make them. Right. Which means that eventually, at some point, like you're saying, there's going to there's going to have to be a yeah, leveling exactly. out. And so, what my whole point of saying that was, get off your lazy asses. Not you guys. I know you guys aren't lazy. But tell everyone else to get <laughs> off their lazy asses and get back to work. Otherwise, we're all going to be fooked. Otherwise, we're all going to pay more than 50% of taxes. We're going to pay 75% of taxes. And only kidding. 75% of taxes on top of $15, $15 milk, which makes uh, $22... <laughs> I don't feel like doing math right now. Whatever. It makes $25 gallon milk. Blows my mind. Don't fucking do it. It's don't stupid. Drink milk. All right. <laughs> we'll save. I'm going to do one more question that's business related because the rest are kind of like personal questions. And okay. We'll do we that. can split it up until Yeah, we'll do that second because so we're getting close to our time. Okay. We're trying to keep them relatively around, around 30. 30. Yeah. Slightly above, slightly lower is cool. All right. The process of becoming vegan certified and getting a food product approved. All right. So... Food product approved is my forte. That's just what I do. And Holly did the vegan certification, so I will go first. Okay. Uh, so it's different state by state and county, city, county, state, 
etc. Basically, in North Carolina, we have what's called the NCDA, which is uh, essentially the contract workers for the FDA. They handle all FDA inside of North Carolina. So I contact them. I tell them my process. We operate out of a registered and licensed facility. They come. They go through our ingredient list. They inspect our, they inspect our process. They go over our GMP, which is basically a manual of how we manufacture our bars. Any standard op- operating procedures, anything that's hazardous, like it's all written out, etc. Blah 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 blah. They come. They see what they read. What we do. They see what we do. Then they take our product. They bring it to their lab. They run their tests. And then if it comes back safe, they approve us. And that is it in a nutshell. Uh, and there's different parameters. If you make, if you make under a hundred grand, no. Yeah. yeah, I think if you make under 100 grand, it's super fucking simple. If you make 100 to a million, it's moderate. And if you make a million or more, it's more intense. It's way intense. And yeah. so we're in the moderate. We're, we, we are not in the million. So I'll let you guys know when I hit that million mark, though. It's coming <laughs> soon. I feel it. But, Me too. but anyway, getting approved is really easy. Um, you just have to have like the correct paperwork, the correct, and right. all that stuff you can look up on Google and like. Right, that's what I did. Really, I wrote. Yeah, I wrote our G. Well, because you're gonna you're gonna be doing your process before you need any of this information. Yeah, yeah. So really, it's all you're going to launch. do is yeah, all you're gonna need to do is kind of like fill in the blanks with like the proper jargon or like words, right. and then you're gonna have like your whole GMP. Like obviously, there's a little bit more to it, but it's relatively. It's, it's way simpler than people think. Yeah. Also, I will say the NCDA are some of the nicest people I've met in like government. government. Yeah. Uh, they genuinely want to help you. And I think that's because it because they're they're local, they want local businesses to thrive. And even when I was like talking to them most recently, because we just went up in a bracket and now things like they came out with two people and things are a little more crazy. Um, they were just talking about these other companies and how they watch them grow and they're so excited because in our room I had $800 million <laughs> and then on another board I have billion dollar brand and they're like, they're like, you're, you're a billion dollar brand. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so then they were talking about these other companies that have grown and they, and like they're, they just get so excited. And I think it's because of that home love aspect. But anyway, so, um, and food is different. This is, this is, uh, a package good. We're a package good. So it's different versus like if you were a restaurant, it would be just the county of, it would be Wake County, um, Department of, of Health. Health yeah. And it's, I did that guys. It's really fucking easy. That's what we did in California. It's way easier than yeah, CPG. It just, well, I was going to say it depends on anything. Like you could be a beauty product. So that's going to be a totally different. That's a CPG. Oh, is that's it? A, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure it goes under the same exact guidelines. Uh, because it's a consumer packaged good. Oh, interesting. We don't eat it. Yeah, yeah, but, you but use I think it be- they they beauty products. I don't know about other things, but beauty products specifically because it's an application. Yeah. And I think it goes on your skin. I was gonna say, like, it's anything, actually like, clean. Like there's yeah, just like yeah, so yeah. many categories right. within like an actual yeah. retail. Store. This one was specific about food. Yeah. So all right, vegan certification. How terribly hard was it to get certified? So easy. I mean, really, all we had to do was basically. Prove like what bra- like you were just saying what financial bracket we're in that that determined the cost of the certification. 
And then we had to show all the paperwork for every ingredient in our product. Like we had to basically go to the original source, ask them for their process of how they created these products. One that I'm like thinking about is like, so where we get our maple syrup from, we had to figure out like the actual process of how they pull the maple syrup from the tree, how they, how they boil it down, how they then package it, whatever. Um, and for like our nut butters too, we had to go to the original source, all that stuff. They basically gave us all the information. We had to then pass that information on to the vegan certification company. They went through it, let us know, you know, if we need any more information and then basically it was approved because all of ours are like you pay you pay a fee you show all your ingredients show the process that are made and you pay the fee yeah the the things that took like the annual. longest were really yeah it's yeah. annual and you have to show your uh revenue annually right or your net worth yeah, yeah. annually and then depending on if you go up or down you pay more right and it's paid per product but they group them so you're like four products eight products there's different numbers to different brackets. 12, 12. Six. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to say, every four, what's after eight, 12. Um, and so that's kind of how you pay for it. Yeah, I will. That uh, is the, I would say that's probably one of the easiest certifications because as you get more complicated with like organic certification or gluten-free certification or your non-GMO yeah, certification, I, I know, it starts getting. I know getting... food-wise that organic, non-GMO, real food certifications, you actually have to show everything you've done for six months. Like all of your invoices and stuff like that, because they want to make sure you're actually organic or you're mm -hmm. actually using non-GMO stuff like that. Sorry. And then you're gonna have to do the same thing. Like if there's products that they don't maybe have in file, you're gonna have to like go to the source, figure out where they get it, X, Y, Z. So like, you know, obviously. So we use Bob's Red Mill. That's a very well-known, common ingredient that I'm sure tons Stop of... Stop telling our secrets. I'm just saying that. I'm sure tons of T CPGs use. We yeah. didn't really have to prove anything to them about Bob's Red Mill. But then there are smaller companies that we use that they did not have on file. And they're like, okay, you're going to need to go to them, ask them what's their actual process. We're going to need to get all of these. They basically had a, that person then had to fill out information yeah. about it. Now, now I know. Just go to whoever you get your... Pro One... Always try to go to the the if you have the direct source, go through the direct source. Don't use a middleman if you can. Usually, we always have to use a middleman, but just ask them to get a COA, which is a certificate of analysis. And if they provide that to you, that's what you give to the those people. I didn't. We didn't know that three yeah. years ago because I didn't know any of these type of things. Now I do. Anyway, it was really easy though. I think like our next ones that we want to do are like non-GMO and gluten-free. And Which then, we need our own facility. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Those are much more complicated, specifically, especially gluten-free, because you can't have any shared space. Yeah. I, was, I want to do gluten-free before I do non-GMO. Non -GMO. Yeah. But, but anyway, that's just me. Yeah. Me too. I no, think that's more important. I agree. Just for me personally. But then non-GMO is next, and then organic is third, because organic is just like... Also, fuck you, organic. I know. Well, it really means nothing. No, it, it does mean absolutely nothing. But <laughs> If I see something that says non-GMO, I'm like, all right, that's basically the exact same as or, organic. Yeah. Yeah, but organic's just such a, they're just, they're one of the most expensive ones you I can know. get. And it literally, all it means is you, you use less pesticides, but still not organic, guys. Don't get they played still use marketing. pesticides, yeah. Anyway, so best business questions. Maybe we'll do a, a Q&A freestyle part two, With either personal? next week or... 
the following week or whatever. Maybe I'll call this the Q&A business. Yeah. In that freestyle. Perfect. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Or we won't. We don't care, we're here to put you in the face.